right. Hey, friends. <laughs> hey, friends. Welcome to the Mark Explains the Universe podcast. Uh, we're going to talk about a lot of stuff here uh, on this podcast. Uh, we have a really fun episode. I am your host, Mark. Uh, and today we have uh, a good friend of mine. This is Ashlyn. What up, Ash? What's up? <laughs> uh, and uh, we want to thank you guys for joining us today uh, for episode number eight. We're going to talk about multi-level Christianity. Multi-level Christianity. That sounds familiar. Yes, we are. It does. We're kind of uh, blending a couple of things uh, into something that kind of has a, a common thread. Uh, but before that, if you haven't done this yet, make sure you guys head on over to iTunes or Podbean and subscribe to the uh, to these bi-weekly podcasts. Uh, and remember to go to uh, Instagram at mark.explains or Facebook, mark.com slash markexplainspodcast. Uh, we want to hear from you guys. We want, we are, we're always going to be releasing... Uh, posts on when these things come out so make sure you head on over there and can i be so bold as to say like it's good to go to the instagram and the facebook and and listen and and do all those things but you can feel free to share them too because that would be awesome holy shit you you can do that you can share them share never, it right out there. i didn't even know, i didn't didn't even know that was possible yep so science if you, if you get value from this um Hopefully someone else will too. By all means, yeah. share it. Share this shit. Now, I do have kind of a fun announcement real quick. Uh, a few of us are planning a gathering over Christmas in central Michigan. Now, I believe it's actually the day after Christmas on the 26th. Uh, we want to invite any or all of you. Come on down. If you're going to be in central Michigan over Christmas, we would love to have you come and connect with us. We're going to be eating so much food and drinking all the booze uh, and just talking all things life. Uh, we would love to have you. Um, this is going to be nothing formal. We just want to connect with humans, and uh, we don't have a location just yet, but this will likely be around Lansing or the East Lansing area in Michigan. Um, so just keep your ears peeled. Uh, we'll be creating a Facebook event and we'll make sure to disseminate that uh, appropriately as the time comes. All right. <laughs> so episode eight, we're talking about what we're calling, uh, we're terming multi-level Christianity. And this one, we're kind of breaking down the science of how the human brain works, uh, where, where it kind of comes from evolutionarily, uh, how it's built, how the central beliefs in each and every one of our lives play into our everyday life, and uh, where those beliefs are physically located in the brain. Uh, it's going to be wild. Wild and crazy, guys. <laughs> no, it's, it's you. You, you. you keep going. You're oh, I wasn't, even, I wasn't even reading along, man. Open up, dude. I keep, I keep stopping so you can take off. Oh, I don't know where you're at. <laughs> uh, we're also diving into why individuals get sucked into those pesky multi-level marketing schemes uh, and why those individuals are also likely from a religious background. Um, happens all the time. I, I don't know if you've experienced that, but I feel like my most religious friends, the people who I think, oh, they're really strong in the Lord, those are the ones who uh, at some point always seem to hit me up uh, and tell me all about their their great uh, life coaching business. Life or, coaching um, or It Works or wraps um, or uh, hair products. We could go on and on. Amway or, and... Um, hey, with that said, some of the nicest, best-hearted people that I know are in these multi-level marketing businesses, yeah. and I wish them the best. Mm. And this is not to knock any of those things. We are just examining and observing uh, common characteristics between these. So it's not to bash anyone. We love you guys. You guys are doing great work. Uh, but we are just we're just kind of talking about it. We're gonna we're, we're just gonna kind of dig into uh, a little bit of that. So uh, sit back um, on this episode number eight. Sit back, grab a beer, maybe some weed, and enjoy uh, enjoy uh, episode eight of the Mark Explains uh, podcast. There is one I think we can bash though that I think in like from a scientific perspective I don't know a whole lot about, but you probably can help with this. I want you to tell me a little bit about essential oils, Mark, and the benefits of. Uh, is is essential oils multi multi level? Yeah, it is. Oh yeah, I mean, there's oh, there's man. like other there's companies out there that just make it and sell it on like a normal business plan, I'm sure. But um, within the church, I know that like in that group of of people, there's there's definitely some 
uh, entrepreneurship going on with essential oil. Well, I I actually know I actually have a couple of friends that listen to this podcast. I am certain, um, and I know one of them definitely does the essential oils uh, business, and the other one I think she does. Uh, I'm not certain, but I think, uh, but one of them definitely does. And scientifically, what does oil do? Cook. Um, it cooks. <laughs> and it lubricates. Lubricates the skin yeah. on levels that almost nothing else does. And of course, uh, it anoints. We can't forget that. It, 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 oh, the holy of the, of, the, of the oil, the holiest of the oils. Mm. Um it anoints, but uh, scientifically speaking, I've actually done some research on this because I I was honestly tired of the claims. Like people would say, "Put lavender on your heel and you'll fall asleep," you know. And I was like, "I what? How is that even a like? How is that a thing?" And so I actually did some research on it, some some peer reviewed scholarly research, um, and what it comes up with is inconclusive, uh, which means uh, some studies. Uh, they have found one thing in some studies they have found another thing and these uh, studies have not been peer-reviewed um, for uh, clarity and they have not been duplicated so uh, they have not been falsified they have not been retested so uh, as far as I'm concerned and and what I speak into that honestly is if it works do it if you find something if you put uh, tea tree oil on your nipples and it, and it wakes you up in the morning do it like these like this is it's not not a thing it's not like it's not it's not not real because science doesn't have a backing in it I mean even if there is a placebo effect going on it's still an effect so basically basically what you're saying is it's like vaccines right like if you don't want to do it just don't do it I, I don't know how to scientifically answer that question and you're making me very uncomfortable right now <laughs> because I, we're going to do an episode on, on vaccine Uh-oh. and the mindset behind that so so that's to come so we'll save that discussion uh, we'll table that but um, it, it, if something works for you uh, it's not, not speaking uh, of vaccines if something works for you uh, in the oil field if, if you put oil in a diffuser and it calms you um then that's a real thing regardless of uh you know scientific data that i can provide i mean even if it's anecdotal and it's yours it's still a thing and it's still reality and i'm not going to reduce your reality because science is inconclusive fair enough All right, so this is uh, the human brain. So it's kind of cool. So the the brain has two hemispheres. Uh, we know that the right and the left side. Uh, I think that's that's pretty pretty well understood. Even uh, like um, at a young, um, like if we're talking about the pedagogy in America, even in elementary school, you learned about the the human brain and how it has two hemispheres. Uh, but then you you go further on into science, into uh, high school and college, and if you happen down the route of like human biology learn about the quadrants um, of the human brain and how there's four tip four main lobes anyways um, how there is the frontal lobe and the parietal lobe and the occipital lobe and the temporal lobe and these are basically the the four main lobes of, of the human brain uh, but if we want to kind of take it back just a tiny bit I'm going to kind of build the brain up kind of uh, look from evolutionarily speaking from the beginning um, and we're going to kind of advance it forward uh, through time because the, the brain as we know it, the human brain is very, very, very similar to the brain of other animals, um, for, uh, the dog, um, of the reptile, the crocodile, um, and then, you know, of course, uh, monkeys and apes and uh, bonobos. Like we have a very, it's all very, very similar, except for our brain just happens to be a little more advanced evolutionarily. So we have things on our brains that other animals do not. And that's what, dis, that, that's what basically uh, pulls us separate from those, uh, from those animals. Um, one of those things, so let's kind of start from the beginning. Uh, and uh, if we go down to the very, very, very base of the brain, we have uh, the brain stem. And this is kind of where all the magic begins. This is the genesis of all thoughts, is at the brain stem. When you have a thought, this thought that I'm speaking right now is generated at 
the base of my brain at the brainstem and it goes up and out. It goes up through my brain and out. And you got to kind of think like um, the brain at the base of it is kind of like like a city being built, if you would. Uh, The base of the brain is kind of like the city when it first is established. It's real small. Hang on a sec. So I I want to back up. So you say like a, a thought that generates in your brainstem goes up and out. What, what does that mean physically? Is that like like a bolt of electricity that is back here? Like what is a thought? And, and that that could be a way of 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 describing what a thought is. Is it's it is a, a pass of of current, if you will, of generated neurons that are speaking to each other and all of that kind of starts is generated at the base of your at the at your brainstem and when i say up and out i literally mean it goes up into your brain and then out into the direction that it needs to according to what that thought is now some thoughts are subconscious like for example if you um, if you're talking about the very central part of your brain that controls your heartbeat and uh, your blood pressure and you and all of those kind of uh, autonomous parts of your body those aren't those aren't conscious thoughts those are thoughts to keep your body uh, going and those again are generated at your brainstem and they go up and out to the coordinated spot of the brain that they need but what we are really interested in especially in this discussion is conscious thought all right so when you have a conscious thought uh, it is generated at your brainstem and it travels up and then outwards uh, to different parts of your brain depending on what it is. And uh, for example, like if you are touched, um, which is uh, sensory and uh, pl- like sense of self, uh, no, I'm sorry, not sense of self, um, but like uh, uh, physical sense of self, uh, that is located in your parietal lobe, which is like the top back side of your brain. So when I'm touching you uh, and you have thoughts about that touching, um, you're going to analyze it in your prefrontal cortex. Uh, um, and uh, But all of the sensory is happening in your parietal lobe, the top back side of your brain. So you have multiple parts of your brain kind of uh, interacting at the same time. You're analyzing what is happening. That's happening at the front of your brain, arguably. Like a lot of people say who you are is the front of your brain. Um like the the neocortex, the prefrontal cortex. Um, but my my argument is actually who you are is not the prefrontal, but it's actually the very, very center of the brain, which we're going to talk about here in a second. Sorry, ever since you said touch you, all I can think about is that song, I Believe in a Thing Called Love. Do you remember that, oh, yeah. Darkness? Oh, yeah. Touching oh, yeah. you. <laughs> Touching me. <laughs> I believe in a thing called love. There's a chance we can make it now. I'm sure we'll get in legal trouble for that. <laughs> this whole time, I'm like, man, I gotta have a smart question for all this really smart talk about the brain, and all I can think about is. The I darkness. believe that they got love. <laughs> <laughs> and the amazing song. The music video for that is just incredible. Uh, such a great song. Um, you know, and actually, like, even that thought you had with mm-hmm. that song, uh, that lives in a certain part of your brain. A lot, It's arguably probably in your hippocampus, which is where a lot of memory is stored. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so what we're going to talk about here is uh, um, the brain. So moving on from the brain stem, if you begin to move up and out, like as the city is built and is getting bigger and larger, um, evolutionarily speaking, uh, you know, it starts as like this very small rudimentary city with just a couple, you know, small, uh, you know, like a corner mart and one blinking light is kind of like your brain stem. And that's, so that's like where our instincts are, right? Like our- not, not even yet. Like oh, wow. we're not even, we're not even there yet um like this is just generation this is just impulse and signal um and so from there it goes up uh and out and actually here ash i'm actually going to send you a brain a, a picture of a brain um and it shows the brain stem and then all of the different patterns coming out of the out of the brain stem and going to different parts of the brain having a visual of this stuff is really is really kind of cool so i'll actually drop a couple pictures in the show notes of these brains don't worry it won't be the brain penis that is inappropriate um uh, but 
uh, as you can see in this picture, kind of like at the at the stem of your brain, or hence the, the brain stem. It's kind of like at the top of your spinal column. You have this this giant bundle of cords and it's all kind of going into different parts of your brain and this is where where thought is generated it goes up and out and as your brain kind of goes up and out as we build it out um it's kind of like the evolution is getting bigger and taller and the city is getting more technologically advanced and so the first thing you run into after your brainstem is uh is is what's uh, what's called the limbic system the limbic system is what you were talking about this is the crocodilian brain this is the oldest part of the brain the very center and this is kind of where our instincts come into play um, and our two most uh, dominant instincts we have are fear and anger. That's where they live in the amygdala. Uh, and uh, so, like you, you want to think about like a crocodile or an alligator. Like they are uh, arguably, uh, and I think this is more notoriously myth than actual scientifically. But a lot of people like they're always angry because the only brain that the alligator and the crocodile have is the crocodilian brain, the amygdala. That's their entire thing. And fear and anger is where those live. So they don't even have any other emotion besides fear and anger. Uh, but then you begin to move up and outwards from there and you get um, what I arguably think is the coolest part of the brain. Uh, maybe, but arguably. <laughs> Arguing I'm with not, yourself. I'm not even convincing myself at this. Um, but it's the thalamus. And, and the thalamus is kind of like the center of your brain. It's, it's just uh, a little bigger. It's just a little more evolutionarily advanced from, uh, from your uh, limbic system. So as the, you know, as the city begins to build and kind of gets a little bigger, um, you get to uh, the thalamus. And the thalamus is where sense of self is located. And now, like, this is um, not sense of self physically, but uh, uh, spiritually, mentally, um, your identity. This is who you believe you are as a person. So, like your um, consciousness. It's you know, it's it's the you inside of you. But it's not the active thoughts, like your conscious thought. It's it's the the central belief system. Uh, it's it's who you. Uh, it, it's it's the the root part of who you are so you believe um certain things about yourself you you believe let's say for example uh if you are a christian then you believe a certain ideologies and constructs that were taught to you and those taught cultural constructs work their way down into your thalamus over time and they're stored there uh so this can be uh everything from a religious belief to a political belief, but it also can be um, something, let's say, for example, if you have an abusive father that says you're not worthy or you're not worth anything, um, you will grow up believing that. And that actually lives in your identity as well. That lives in your thalamus. It's a physical location in your brain. It's kind of like walnut shaped and it's at the center. It's, it actually has two hemispheres, just like your actual brain does. It's real small. Um, and this is where those beliefs live. And here's the, the reason why this is so interesting is because when you generate a thought, um, an active conscious thought, it is generated first in the stem of your brain and it passes through your thalamus before it goes anywhere else in your brain, which is super interesting. So if I tell you something, uh, let's say, for, exam for example, if I say the words, refugees deserve shelter the first thing that should go through your brain is of course they do refugees by nature are fleeing and seeking asylum from probably a very dangerous uh state back at their home but because of our political landscape right now i can say the words refugees deserve shelter and some people are going to respond differently. And the reason why is because the identity that lives on the inside, if you are, I, let's say, for example, uh, if you are Republican and deeply, deeply conservative, you believe certain things about, let's say, this caravan that is on their way up from Venezuela and has reached our border. 
And so when I say refugees deserve shelter, you're going to respond with anger because I'm not talking about refugees in general. I'm talking about a belief that you have at the center of who you are because you have agreed and confirmed all of these constructs and ideologies that the religion, or sorry, not the religious, that the conservative culture is feeding into you. And so you believe, you begin to believe those things and those ideas work their way down through your brain to your thalamus. So it's no longer even a thought anymore. It becomes a part of your construct. So when you have a thought, it's travels through your identity before it even reaches analysis. So if I give you a thought like refugees deserve shelter, it travels through my brain and my brain doesn't have an identity that is based in fear that these people are coming over. So the first thing that I think of, my identity is based in love that when this thought is generated, the first thing I think of is, yeah, of course, refugees need shelter. Of, of, of course they do. That all, all refugees des- deserve shelter. I mean, like bar none. Let's, let's, let's get them all in a place where they feel safe. But with somebody who has a construct and an, and an identity based so deeply in a political background where that idea is fear the thought that refugees deserve shelter travels through fear before it even gets to to the analysis part of the brain. So you can't even have an idea or a thought that doesn't first pass through the identities that you believe that that you believe about this entire world that you live in. So here's what I'm picturing. So if like we're using this illustration and to just keep following that the brain is like a city. Um, that you know that keeps building out maybe it was a village at one point and then we evolved and and it became you know bigger and there were more buildings and there's more plumbing um the thalamus um to to me to follow this illustration the thalamus is kind of like a, a a wall along the exterior of the city um that every thought and everything you hear and every potential belief has to pass through so that 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 wall, the thalamus, is your identity, and and uh, again, correct me if I'm if I'm not going in the right direction with this. But um, so when we hear something like uh, refugees deserve shelter, uh, or or any any statement that is universally true, um, it still has to pass through that wall and and has to go through our identity before. We even register it before we Correct. Even think yeah. about whether or not we agree or disagree. Yeah, it, it, before you can even have the thought analyzed and conscious thought, it has to first pass through how you view this world. So I can say something like Jesus Christ never existed as a human, which is a simple, it's just a simple thought. And that thought right there would probably make some of the listeners of this podcast really uneasy. Well, if they're... If they're still listening. (laughs) (laughs) You'd be surprised. People listen to things even they don't necessarily agree with. But that thought right there might make some people uneasy. And the reason why is because that thought, it's not just a thing. Like I could say something like, like for example, we're going to talk about this in a future episode, but if I were to say something like, um, uh, for the first, uh, let's say, 700 million years, the universe was the color orange. And that's because of the temperature that it was, was somewhere above 3,000 degrees Kelvin. And if you understand... uh, if you understand black body radiation, it the gradient from which the electromagnetic spectrum peaks is you mean, in... I think you mean people of color radiation. <laughs> um, uh, no. <laughs> I, I, mean, <laughs> I mean black body radiation, not black people. Black body radiation, uh, it, it peaks on the electromagnetic spectrum around the color orange. So if I say the statement that the universe for the first 700 million years was orange. What does that make you feel? Um, to, like, honestly, I'm colorblind. So I don't, I don't know if that influences the whole <laughs> Which the also whole plays into I'm, your identity. Yeah. That, that entire thing plays into your identity. So, I mean, I could sure. even say something like, um, bananas grow in bunches of six, but never seven. 
does that make you feel anything? See, it, 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 exactly the same construct. I could say Jesus was a human that never existed. These are just things. These are just statements, none more important than any other. But to be it, fair, though, like like saying that Jesus was a person that never existed physically is a very polarizing statement. Only because right? identities are found in the idea that Jesus was a human. See, like that's just a statement, just like anything else is. But the idea that I w- I was raised with this with this idea filtered into my brain and over time actually at a young age 9 10 11 12 it lived deeply in my thalamus and there was a resonance in my thalamus because there was beliefs that i that i held to be true and so even at that young age i didn't have to worry about trying to find a a a common truth um or a a belief system it was it was filtered into me at a young age and so that idea if somebody were to tell me when i was 9 10 or 11 that jesus didn't exist i'd be like no of course he existed be- because that's what i was taught and but more importantly that's my identity my identity so anger that arises like if if i l- l- let's just go a step further and say all humans are going to heaven regardless of what they mm-hmm. believe. Mm-hmm. That might even evoke a little bit more. And see, the funny thing is like the idea that all humans go to heaven should be a beautiful thing. Beautiful thing. I mean, because the Bible states that for God so loved the world, the world. And wow, I cannot read. Lord, said Thomas, we did not know where you're going or how long. Jesus answered, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. See, the funny thing here, it doesn't say how or that people even know that they're coming to the Father. It just says Hmm. through him. I mean, possibly. And I'm not even saying that I fully believe that every Christian, sorry, every human is going to heaven. I'm not, I'm not even necessarily believe in a heaven. I'm saying that everywhere in the Bible, it talks more so about how all, all inclusive, everyone's in, no one's out. I mean, it doesn't, everywhere you look and that statement makes people Mm -hmm. so angry but the wild thing is, is that's a beautiful thought. Yeah. Like that, that, that should be encouraging. Like if I found out that my religion at first was very exclusivary, it was very like an exclusionary cu- club. Like you are, some are in and so, like most are not out. Like most are out. Like I, and then all of a sudden I found out that like everyone's in, I would be like, yeah, like this is it. Like everyone's in, this is a, this is the religion that I, that I wanted. Like this was it, but it doesn't have that effect because you're not talking logically. You're not talking about dialogue here. You're attacking the identity of people. And that's why, that's why people have these visceral reactions about things that are so generic. Like, Jesus was not a human that existed on this earth ever. Like, that is just a statement. And people have this visceral, deep response mm-hmm. because that idea lives at a part of the brain. And what it does is that the, when, when the brain is taxed like that and you like because you're not attacking a belief like you're not attacking a religion you're not attacking a, a, a an institution you're attacking someone's identity and when when an identity gets attacked they refer they revert to the two most deeply instinctual feelings that they have on the inside of their brain and that is fear and anger because those two emotions are the cheapest and the fastest emotions in the brain it is easier to punch someone in the face 
than it is to analyze the situation because uh, the, the thoughts of analysis are slow and expensive. They live on the outside of the brain in the neocortex. But the ones that are cheap and fast and, it, and it, like those live, boom, it's like like snap. Like I, I, I'm sure you've heard it before. Like, oh, I just, I turned red and I snapped. Yeah, that's because your brain went in to the pool of fuck you instead of going out into into the outside of the brain where, where you can't analyze the situation. That's why when yeah. people, when, when the identity gets attacked, when you say Jesus wasn't a human, people get angry because that's cheap and fast. Those are the emotions that humans go to. And actually, I, w- I wanted to hit for a second, um, instead of thinking like a wall that everyone has to pass through, it's more like the thalamus would kind of be like a central hub, like a train station, but no one can enter your city unless they come in through the train and then process through the station everywhere else. So the thought... Legally. Right. <laughs> <laughs> um, yes, legally. They're going to they're gonna throw... Drugs into the state. Oh God! <laughs> and weapons. You're you're gonna make you're gonna make this awkward. <laughs> uh, so yeah, it's more it's more likely like a, a train. Every thought that you have is kind of like a train going into the central hub station, and then from there going outwards through a processing station, and that central hub being your thalamus. So you can't have a a thought generated before it passes through your identity and that kind of being like the central station if that makes sense yeah no that totally makes sense that's way better than the wall thing (laughs) uh so from there um we can kind of go upwards and outwards into the end of the brain a little bit more you know there's there is a a small part of the anterior cingulate cortex which is kind of like on the front side um, of your brain behind your uh, prefrontal cortex that's where like love and compassion live now dogs have that the dogs have the anterior cingulate cortex um, which is why dogs can show um, compassion and love um, and uh, and those type of emotions um but uh where uh where dogs don't have is they don't have a prefrontal cortex uh and that's not for consciousness but it's actually for uh being able to predict outcomes of events that they haven't yet experienced so like if i if i can take a dog and teach a dog a trick it knows that if i do this then i get a treat but it doesn't know that if i run into a street i'll get hit by a car because it's never done that so a dog can't predict the future it can't predict an event that it hasn't yet experienced that's why um if a dog like licks a a barbed or uh, an electrical fence it gets shocked it knows now not to lick that fence that is kind of like cause and effect it stores that memory in the brain as don't do this or this will be bad but typically dogs don't get hit by vehicles and survive and if they do they're they're mortally afraid to go into the road. That's why like a lot of dogs, when they see a car, they start shaking because they remember that event. But dogs don't have the ability to foresee the future for events that haven't occurred to them already. And that's what makes us separate from animals. Now, with that being said, uh, the argument for dolphins, um, I believe, and there are, there are some, actually some other porpoises that arguably can (laughs) foresee events that they haven't yet experienced i think that's also elephants and there's there's a few other animals out there but very few very few uh and then also um in the neocortex uh in the front part of our brain is kind of like where our character is our character is located in the prefrontal cortex um uh, that's also where like an analysis lives uh, where we analyze everything um but then also self-awareness like i know that i am a human a dog doesn't know as a dog a dog just (laughs) you know like i have luna and she's a one-year-old dog she thinks that i am just like her because she doesn't understand that she's a dog she just knows i am a thing and you're a thing and together we are a pack that's all the dog knows it doesn't understand that it is a dog now humans understand that we are humans and there actually are a few other animals that we think know that they are self-aware i think elephants and also some porpoises it's also that it's always that same category but that's that's simply because evolutionarily speaking their brains have 
advanced to those points to where we can study brain scans and kind of speculate what's going on. And we can compare those to what our brains are doing at the same time. And we have lots of data on that. Do you think that in our lifetime, we'll have a device that will let us talk to animals? Well... That's kind of an interesting question because you have to define talk. I mean, you have to define language. Language is like communication. Dr. Doolittle, like, this is what, you know, this is what's going on. <laughs> well, you know, I have a hard time with that question altogether because, like, animals do talk. They do talk to us all the time, just not language. So I think your question is, will they understand English language through a device yes. is that your yeah, question yeah, yeah, for sure oh god like will my cat be able to be like no i want the the blue can not the green can <laughs> I you scratch your balls I, way too much I, I would say i hope not <laughs> <laughs> simply because the things that the dogs and cats would say about us i think would be um, i think dogs would just all the time just be like oh dope do do oh outside my favorite oh food my favorite oh nap time my favorite you know oh bath time bummer you know that's, that's, that's we'd it. be constantly depressed if we knew what the cats were thinking oh god day 679 <laughs> with my captors <laughs> just plotting to kill us oh but no, I, I hope, I hope for all of humanity that we never create a device uh, that turns their thought into English language, because I think that would be terrible. So I got an email from an individual that was very, very angry after episode number four of the, uns it was the Uncensored Christian Part One with your story and Lauren's uh, story. And uh, this individual is saying that we are promoting sin in the church and that we have fallen far. And not only that, we're dragging people to hell with us and so on and so on. It was actually very moving and inspiring. Um, you know, I, <laughs> I know, I know I must be doing something right if somebody is angry with me. I feel like that's, that's just a generic statement. Um, so, but like, why should your story make someone else angry? Like what, what causes somebody who listens to this podcast, get angry about somebody else's experience? Like this is, this is what I want to dive into. Like, why would my story make someone angry? That's a great question, man. I mean, um, I think, I think you, you know, we've hit on that a lot talking about how people's brains work in general, that, that when someone hears something, um, very polarizing and very challenging to their identity. Um, you know, I, I think that, I think that's why I think that they're going to respond. Uh, they're going to respond in that anger and in that fear. I think, you know, this individual probably could have, there could be a podcast out there that says exactly the things that we're saying. And there probably are, right. There's probably dozens, you know, of, of similar type, uh, similar types of media that, um, talk about deconstruction and tell some of these stories, but um, this individual knows you and I and, and the organization that, that we've been a part of. And so I think that makes it very personal for them. Um, you know, certainly that, that creates some anger that we came out of that same organization and, and our beliefs maybe have changed a little bit or we're promoting uh, this idea that it's okay to challenge your beliefs and okay to um, to not be everything that uh, we're expected to be. Hmm. You know, and I think it's important to understand that you can't have a non-biased thought. Yeah. Like every thought you have is biased to the beliefs that you believe about yourself. If you believe that you you know, like for example, like I, I go, I, let's say for example, for me, um, you take me as a child and in a environment, in a circumstance where I, I didn't feel like I was enough for my, for my mom. Um, I didn't feel like I was enough, uh, for my friends. I, I believed that was a core belief about myself. And honestly, this is still something I struggle with today is feeling like I am enough for those that are around me, for um, a significant other, I feel like I'm, I'm just not enough. And that's, that's because of a core belief when I was a child. And I am 36 years old. This is, we're talking 30 years of a central belief where every thought passes through the idea that I am not enough. So I can't even have, I can't even have dinner without the thought 
that I am not enough. This is why central thought, central core beliefs are so important and, and why, why it is so important to, to bleed love into people. So like you can't, you can't have an unbiased thought. It's impossible. Like when, when somebody speaks against, um, like when somebody speaks against all of these, these things that I have, it's because it's passing through their identity before it registers in their conscious mind. She's a bitch, man. Like, I don't, I don't know what to say. Like she's a, <laughs> but she's not. That's just the thing. Yeah, she is. Like she, 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 she's she's coming across uh, with anger because of her identity, because of her core beliefs. I mean, for her, we're probably a couple of dicks. Yeah. I mean, like, and and that's just the thing. Like, who is right? Is her belief central? If is her belief right or is ours? Like, they're both just belief systems. Like Jesus was just a man or he never existed like these are just things like it is important because i want to approach all these belief systems with humility because we all literally hold very different beliefs all of us and none is more right than another they're just our own that's a a really important idea to grasp we need to realize that just because somebody holds a different belief especially about themselves or about others if people are viewing people that it's it's okay because this is just a belief it doesn't it doesn't define them it just defines how they think yeah so you know what i think what i think i take away um from this discussion and this was even my thought like when we were before we started recording we were just talking about this episode i think that you know what we believe not in a not in a surface level sense right like i believe tacos are good or you know i believe i like beer um you know like those are things that are very very up at the surface but when i go really deep down into what i believe i think that we have to think about belief as something that is not a possession because that that's a big part of our culture right like like social media culture and um everyone having an opinion and 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 being very polarized it's even in our dialect is there a belief that you hold yeah yeah it's like it's so like i think our culture believes that or thinks that a belief is something that you carry it's something that you pick up or put down um and it's not right it's you know it's not it's it's a central part of who you are it's it, it is literally scientifically your identity right so you know belief and and so that's that's the belief in the legit sense of the word so you know we can all pick a side which is easy to do uh you know and in, in from a political sense or from a religious sense you know it's it's easy to just like put pitch your camp with um, you know, one side or the other, but I think the challenging thing and the really important thing is that, you know, we, we start to think about what we really believe and, and what is really making up our identity um, on a deep level, not just at the surface. You know, and I also think that it's really, really important in what we're doing here um, to understand how those beliefs come to to where they are. Now, if you have like a conscious thought about a belief, it it probably doesn't live in your identity yet. Um, now, you can think about these things like I believe that Jesus died on the cross, and I believe that He is coming again. Like those, you know, those core beliefs. But like those are conscious thoughts trying to manifest them into language about something that lives without language in your identity. Because these things that live in your thalamus, they don't live as like a script on the wall. Like you go into your thalamus and you look on the wall and, oh, there's one belief and there's the second belief. No, these are central thoughts without language in the the core of who you are. And they can be changed, right? Like they can... They, they can, and that's the, that's the important thing, is they can be changed. So, for example, let's say um, like any type of sensory input uh, changes, like any, anything you think changes. Sensory input changes. When I, when I touch your skin, it changes. Touching me. Touching me. <laughs> I'm never going to stop doing me. it. <laughs> oh, yeah, for sure. Um, like, 
I anything you think changes your brain. Anything you think changes your brain. But in order to let's say change the core of who you are, the, the the deep core of who you are, the central part of your brain, it takes a certain a certain something special. And what it does is is actually what we see um, in media today a lot, and it's called the availability cascade. And it is a bias. It's a cognitive bias. Again, it's called availability cascade. And what this is, is if you hear something enough times in a row, you begin to believe it. And it's, it's hysterical. You, it, it can be anything that's stupid. There are other biases as well, like group bias. If everyone believes it, of course, I'm going to believe it. You know, like, like, like these, these crazy, these crazy thoughts and ideas, but if, if everyone's believing it, it's not that, you know, it's not that, that crazy. So this makes me think of, um, uh, I gotta, I gotta find this last year. There was this, there was this big thing that went out on social media about a movie that everyone could swear they remembered, but never actually existed. And it was, um, where it was like Shazam or Shazam. It was like, it, do you remember this, Mark? Do you know what I'm talking about at all? It was Shazam. It was like it was this movie that even I even I could swear it was a thing. Where Sinbad? Do you remember the the comedian Sinbad? Where oh, yeah. he, he oh, played definitely. like a genie in the '90s, and and it was this. Oh yes, I do, do remember, remember the that. movie Shazam. You you had it right, right? But there was never actually a movie. That didn't exist. Like that movie never was never made. Really? Keep reading. Wait, hold on. Fact check. Did Sinbad play a genie in the movie? Shazam. A popular internet theory holds that dact- that that actor David Atkins, better known as comedian Sinbad, played a genie in a popular children's movie released sometime in the 1990s called Shazam. I actually remember yeah. it. I remember yeah, the movie. You think you do? I never Trust saw me. it. You think you do? You don't. I never saw it, but I remember yeah. it. Uh, although this movie does not actually exist. Mm. Social media users have circulated an image in an attempt to fool viewers into believing the film is real. Yeah, and that's that's. I am that's shocked, it, right? I yeah. am shocked right now. You are blowing and my this mind. Is, but it's not just. I that. remember the movie yeah. Shazam. I don't. I don't think I never watched it, but I remember it. That's it. Oh my god! I am. I'm. I'm mm-hmm. shocked. And I think so. The availability cascade is an example of, or this is an example rather of the availability cascade. Yeah, it is, and this is this is perfect. Um, and this is kind of like how beliefs uh, are 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 turned into central beliefs. So if I tell you th- this, and this is why it's going to be so important when I have a child, when I have a son or a daughter or anywhere in between, I'm going to tell that little human um, that I love them and that they are loved and they are beautiful and they are going to make the world a better place by being a good human. And I'm going to teach them core values. And I'm going to say this over and over and over. And the reason why is because at first, if I tell you an idea like the universe is orange, that idea first uh, is generated like I, I say it to you and it goes into your ears and then your temporal lobe, which is where all your language, that's your language center, kind of uh, digests the words as they are and it says into language, it says, yes, I understand this. Then that thought goes into your prefrontal cortex uh, and you begin to analyze it. Um, and all like that's basically how an idea gets generated in your brain about something new. But I keep telling you this. If I keep telling you that the universe was orange for the first 700 million years, and I keep telling you and keep telling you and keep telling you over and over and over and over, there's going to come a point where you're not going to even think about it. That idea is going to work its way from the outside of your brain down into your thalamus. It works its way down. That's what those thoughts do. And I tell you something like the universe was orange for 700 million years. It doesn't, it no longer passes through your prefrontal cortex. It goes right into your thalamus. And the reason why is because now it agrees with your, with what's being told. And so now you have a, a, predisposed concept uh, construct you have a predisposed construct of 
what the universe was. So when somebody comes up to you and says, no, the universe is 6,000 years old and it was made by God 6,000 years ago uh, and he made it to look old. It was made old. I'm sorry. Well, I mean, like Adam wasn't born. Adam wasn't born a baby. He was made. He was made right. as a man. He was made old. So the universe was made old. You know, like so. Uh, that this idea that, that all of a sudden something rises up inside of me and says, "No, no, 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 no." The universe is seven hundred million at seven hundred million years old. It was. It was orange, and I know that. So therefore, it's at least thirteen point seven billion years old because that's that's a belief system built at the center of 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 my of myself, and so with this idea. It is, it is so important to me that I go around and speak love and truth and hope to every single person, not just those that believe what I believe, but especially to those that believe things that are destructive, especially about themselves or others, that I begin to feed them with love and compassion, that I help people that don't deserve it, that I go out and tear the fences down that are keeping people away and start pulling them in. Even if they are dangerous, it is worth it because we are humans and we deserve to be loved and helped. And that thought has become a central belief for yeah, me. Yeah. I think, I mean, I think there's nothing controversial about that, right? Like people, people might listen to this and, um, think some of the things that you or I have to say are, um, uh, heretical or controversial or bad or misleading or you know any number of negative things but like there's nothing controversial I think everyone would agree you know re regardless of where it comes from we just want to try to help people right we want to like that's, that's it like that's, that's the bottom line is being more empathetic and being more loving and and it doesn't matter what you believe you can't argue with me that wanting to help people and, and to make people's lives better, more full, um, you know, just just richer. There's nothing negative about that. No, and it, like, and especially if you if you were harmed as a child, I, you got to know that you are loved. I love you. Ashlyn loves you. Like these these are important things that you are a beautiful human. And if you need to listen to this podcast over and over at that one exact point where I say you are beautiful, do it. Because you need to know that you as a human are, are so intrinsically complex. And there are things going on inside of your body that, I, that we don't even understand fully as, as scientists. It is so unbelievably amazing you as a human are beautiful and you're loved and you're important and you matter and you're going to do things on this earth and we need you we need you like you are needed on this earth and if you need to replay that a thousand times every day do it because that needs to become a core value of who you are that's good man All right, so that concludes episode eight, part one of Multilevel Christianity here on the Mark Explains podcast. Thank you so, so much for listening. I hope these podcasts bring you hope and love and light and enlightenment and learning and just all the things life. This is Mark. I'm sending you love and light to all of you and to every human on this planet.